Welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego-Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, we talk about sustainable investing and how your portfolio reflects your values. Do your investments seek accountability from corporations that govern more and more of our society and even the lives we lead? Listen in as we explore the question, are you investing like you give a damn? Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego-Kyle from Horizons Sustainable Financial Services. Today, we're, I'm excited. We're going to be talking about money. I mean, well, a lot of this podcast is about money, but specifically, this is about financial literacy and Kim is going to be focusing on kids today. So this is going to be fun. Good afternoon, Kim. How are you? I'm great. Nice to talk to you, Eric. Yeah, it's nice to talk to you again. And you said you wanted to focus on kids with financial literacy. Where do we start today? Well, since April is Financial Literacy Month, I really thought we should just talk about kids and the subject of money. And mm-hmm. it's such a taboo subject, right? So let's let's just focus on, on how we talk to our kids about money. And mm-hmm. sometimes people say, why? And, and I think um, because we are not teaching our children about money. We're not talking to them about how to handle money. It's not being taught in schools. And so someone needs to discuss it with them. Yeah, absolutely. So why not us? Yeah, and, and honestly, schools aren't teaching them the right way. I think they're teaching them certain things. But I remember when my daughter was in school, she would go to lunch and she had a card that she would just swipe, right, that had credits on it. Uh, for her school lunch, if she wanted to purchase lunch that day, there was no money exchanging hands. And that's, right. I think that's a huge problem, right? I mean, that's, it, we're teaching them immediately. Oh, just, you got money on this card, just do that. And we're teaching yeah. that from elementary school now. I think that's a problem. It is. And they, they don't actually understand how money works. Mm-hmm. When I was in high school, a very long time ago, <laughs> we actually took a, it was a portion of a class and I don't remember what the class was, but we had to pretend to get a job. We Mm -hmm. had to look in the paper, figure out how much that job paid. We had to see how much an apartment was, Mm -hmm. see how much it cost to get utilities, uh, including cable, because that's something everybody had, Mm -hmm. see how much it cost to have groceries, see how much living expenses were and what it actually cost to live. And I vividly remember that. When my kids, who are now in their late 20s, were in high school, they didn't get any of that. Mm -hmm. And so I know kids nowadays are not being taught about money in school. And it's really important that someone teach children about money. Otherwise, we are ending up with generations of adults who never learn how to deal with money. Mm -hmm. They don't have this. They don't have knowledge of even the simplest tasks of how to balance a checkbook, let alone how to deal with a four hundred one k when they get a job, or what a credit score is, or how it affects them. Mm-hmm. When you know, what does that mean when they go to buy a house, or what if they want to buy a car and they've screwed up their credit? They they don't even realize that their car insurance is going to be more expensive if they have a poor credit score. Mm -hmm. So it's important that we start to talk with them about money when they're young. Yeah. So how do we do that? How do we start that conversation? Well, I've come up with three easy steps for both our young children 
and three easy steps for teens, trying to keep it simple, Mm -hmm. to help them navigate some money matters. And because we're a sustainable investment firm, I'm going to try to take a little bit of a sustainable viewpoint on it. So, you know, what does that mean? We don't want to just discuss credit. We want to talk about responsible credit management, you know, how they're going to buy a house someday. You know, most people are are not going to be able to pay cash for a house. So we yeah. need to talk about how that affects their, their future purchases. So All let's right. start with tips for the very, very young children, kids ages four to 10. Okay. Okay. So if we're talking about super young preschoolers who don't really get sophisticated topics like, you know, money, you know, we want to teach them, we want to start teaching them the difference between wants and needs. Mm -hmm. Let's start there. At this age, by the time they're around four, five, they're starting to get money gifts for birthdays. Mm -hmm. People are giving them $5 in their cards, $10. What do they want to do? They immediately want to run to the store, the the first store that they can think of and spend it all, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. That's the first thing they want to do. So we need to take this opportunity to start talking to them about how we as a family spend our money, how we first spend our money on our needs. Mm -hmm. And what are our needs? Our needs are groceries on our house, maybe medicine. And then we spend our money on our wants, like toys and vacations. So they can get those very simple concepts. So we don't do you, want to make it too complex. Yeah. How, how do you break it down for them then? Because they don't need to pay for their house. They don't need no, to pay for their gas for their car, right? <laughs> you know? Right. They don't need to pay for that. And we don't expect them to contribute to the household. But we need to talk to them first about how we spend our money. Mm-hmm. And that's the important piece how we spend our money, because that's what we forget to do. We like to, to just take care of our own money needs and we don't talk to our kids about money. So this is the opportunity to talk about how we spend our money so we can start imparting our financial knowledge mm-hmm. on our kids. And that's the thing that we don't do. That's the taboo subject, right? We don't talk about money. Well, and I, I think it's also... They see us, right? We're modeling for them at all times, and they just don't see us paying our mortgage, right? We don't go someplace and pay our mortgage. We don't go someplace and pay our car insurance or or, our car payment. That stuff is either taken out of our accounts, or we do it digitally, or we write the check and we mail it. The things they see us paying for are we're going to the store and we buy, we're buying food. And a lot of times there's a treat involved with that food, right? There, maybe we're, we're going to get some donuts with that, uh, with that money on that grocery trip. Or they see us at the gas station. Yes, they see us putting gas in there, but maybe they're seeing us grab a soda pop or, or drink from the store. So all those examples really are kind of the treats that we're, we're going to have to teach them about. They don't necessarily see the hardcore bills that we're, we're dealing with, right? Exactly. So we have to start talking about them. Uh, We have to start telling them we pay for our needs first, Mm -hmm. and then we pay for our treats. So sometimes we have to tell them, "Hmm, we're not getting a treat today because we can only get gas. Mm -hmm. And and that's the way it works. We have to pay for our needs first before we pay for our treats. It's a good example. So, yeah. So that's the first thing. Um, You know, there are a lot of times we see stories and we need to share these with our children about kids who are known to donate Mm -hmm. money or raise money for other people who are in need. And not that we expect 
our kids to always be altruistic and do that too. But we also need to tell our kids when we're doing that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're making donations. Maybe we make a donation at our church every Sunday. So if we're, if we're writing a check and throwing that in the donation plate, give our children a dollar Mm -hmm. and let them put that in the donation plate. If that's where we make our donations, Mm -hmm. if we're making donations somewhere else, we need to talk to our children about where we're making donations and why we're doing that. Yeah. So it's time to start talking to our children about that. Yeah. That, I mean, that is the essence of modeling. That's perfect. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So then we have our slightly older kids, maybe they're six to eight. Mm -hmm. And this is where we want to start talking about opportunity cost. So what does that mean? Yeah. Well, this is where we start to teach them that money doesn't grow on trees. Mm-hmm. So even if, you know, we, we're talking about slightly, you know, wealthier families, they need to understand that sometimes they have to make choices on their purchases. So if your child, or even if we're talking about our grandchildren, so we can teach this to our grandchildren as well, if they want a big ticket item, they have to save for it. So it doesn't have to be in a bank account. That's one way to do it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes our kids need a visual. So give them a jar or a piggy bank, an old-fashioned piggy bank, something where they can watch their money grow, Mm -hmm. where they can see it fill up. And, And kids need visuals. They need that reinforcement. So when we're talking about kids who are six to eight, they want to watch those quarters grow in the jar or those dollar bills. And Make them save for it. Don't prepay for something for them and then have them pay you back. This is not the time to teach kids about credit. Mm -hmm. They're not old enough to get that concept yet. So let them save. Do they want that new baseball glove? Do they want, I don't know, I don't know what little girls want. I had two boys, so I don't know if they want a fancy <laughs> doll. <laughs> so what, whatever they might want, and you know, maybe they get $10 from grandma, but it costs 20, let them save. You know, it's okay to let them have the change out of your pocket and they can throw it into the jar mm-hmm. or ask them to sweep the floor and give them a dollar. You know, it, you know, kids can have chores. They can, you know, six or six or eight, they can feed the cat, whatever. They can have chores. They can earn an allowance. It's okay. Let them save for that big ticket item. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's difficult because when you're talking in that six to age range and older, of course, as well, but so many of the kids are playing video games that have purchasable items inside the video game, whether they, whether their iPod or I, you know, their, their device is locked and the parents are making sure that they're not spending that money, or if their parents are allowing them to, and just helping them to do that in, in certain ways, or you have this amount of money and you can spend this amount of money. I still think it's almost like a credit situation where they don't physically see it leaving. So if they want to buy something in a video game, making them go to their room, get the money out of their piggy bank, hand you the $10 for those credits inside the video game that they're playing. I think that that would make a huge difference on them saying, Oh, I need this upgrade or I need this for, you know, to build my town more or whatever game it is. It, it's such a, a travesty at this point where kids can just say, yes, I want to purchase this in this game. And we've heard stories where parents didn't lock it and all of a sudden they've spent 500 or a thousand dollars on in-game items. They had no idea that that game even had. Um, And that's kids are being led astray by that kind of stuff. They are because they don't have the concept of money yet until they've Mm -hmm. actually handed that over to you. And they're like, oh, there goes my $10. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. They, they do not understand credit yeah. and they're, they're just not old enough to get that yet. You know, they, they might have a little bit of a tantrum. They might cry, but it's okay for us to let them do that mm-hmm. and say, you know, when you're done, come back and we'll make a decision and we can talk about it. Yeah. We need to let our children learn and teach them to make smart money choices when they're younger and they're a $10 choice mm-hmm. and not a, a much more expensive choice. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So then as they start to get a little older, we can get a little more complex um, and they'll, they'll start to get it. I mean, have you ever had your nine-year-old tell you to recycle that soda can? I mean, they can get very insistent on that. <laughs> so as they start to get a little older, we can talk to them about smart purchases and not impulse purchases. Mm-hmm. So here's where you can start to ask them to do a little bit of research. Kids are very computer savvy. We know this. So, you know, we, we can let them with some guidance, you know, kids should have guidance on the computer, mm-hmm. but what if, you know, I mean, nine, 10, they're very good on their computer games, right? So what if they want their new, this new fancy gaming system? Let's ask them to do some research. Who makes it? What's the manufacturing process that it undergoes? What about recycling the old one? Mm-hmm. Where does that go? What are you going to do with that? What happens when the life cycle of the new one is complete? What's going to happen to that? Yeah. You know, is it cheaply made? Is it going to break in five minutes? You know, it, does this product cost 50 cents and is it cheap or is there a $2 one that's going to last longer? Mm-hmm. It is never too early to start teaching sustainability to our kids. And like I said, your nine-year-old who's learning about sustainability in school and wants you to recycle that soda can is probably going to be very into this process. Yeah. I mean, they might grumble a little bit, but, you know, because they really want to just purchase their product, but let's talk to them about sustainability stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they're, they're actually probably going to be far more sustainability minded than some adults we know. Yeah. And they, they might actually teach you something. So as they get a little bit older, into these, you know, the, the, the grade school years, it's time to start teaching them to look at the sustainability process and they'll be much more sustainability minded and think about how long something will last mm-hmm. and not buy the cheap product versus the one that's going to last longer. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. What, what happens when these kids reach their teenage years and we already have lots of teenage issues to deal with. With this one specifically, how do we help them with the sustainability issue? So, well, sustainability is a much bigger piece when you get into teens because, you know, as we we know, teens get to be a little bit more stubborn. No. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) So, you know, uh, I think... There, there's a lot to be said for, for sustainability on, in the teenage years, and, and we have to just keep pushing that with them. Uh, you know, it's easier with the grade school kids. So when they're spending their own money, maybe they're mowing lawns and, and earning more money than they've had when they were younger, they're actually going to be a lot more cautious on how they spend their money. Most of them will be because they've worked harder for it. Mm-hmm. It's not just grandma sending them a $20 bill in their their birthday card or for Easter or for Christmas. You know, when they're earning their own money, you can probably encourage them to do a little more research mm-hmm. on what they're spending their money on. But as they get into their teenage years and maybe they get a job 
summer job, that kind of thing. Now is when, as you mentioned earlier, the debit cards come out because they're getting a checking account. Now is when we would do them huge favors by teaching them things like how to balance a checkbook, Mm. teaching them that a debit card is not the same as a credit card. I have to admit, I did not teach my kids how to balance a checkbook when they were teenagers. They had a debit card. And as they got into their early 20s, I realized I didn't teach them this and they didn't learn it in school. Mm -hmm. So I had to kind of circle back and talk to them about this. And it's really important, you know, an ATM card, we need to think about as kind of a training wheel for a credit card. And they need to understand that every transaction they make with that debit card depletes their checking account or their savings account, whichever one it's attached to. Uh If they've set up automatic deductions in their account and they they don't pay attention to that, they can easily overdraw their account, right? We think of that. Maybe they're not thinking of that. Uh So if they're not tracking and they just look at their bank balance, oh, I have plenty of money in there, but that automatic debit comes out, they could easily overdraw their account. So if they're not actually tracking what they're spending their money on, those automatic debits, they're going to overdraw their account. And maybe some adults don't realize this, when you overdraw your account, it does affect your credit. Mm. And so, you know, if we're not teaching our kids this, then, you know, every time you overdraw your account, it's going to affect your credit and it's going to affect them when they go to get an apartment when they're older, when they want to get car insurance, when they want to sign up for the electricity for that new apartment. You know, if, when they look and see that they keep overdrawing their checking account every month, they're not a good credit risk and it's going to cost them more money. Bigger deposit for the utility bill, bigger deposit for the internet service that they want. Those things will cost them, cost them more money. Yeah. When, so. when my my wife and I were newly married, we ran into a mistake that we had no idea until after it hit us and it was, it was a bad hit. We knew that we had limited funds in our account and we had three things to purchase, uh, unfortunately. The first one was going to be just some groceries to get us through the weekend, to be quite honest. The second one, I can't remember what it was. It was very small. And then the third one was going to be larger. And we knew that we weren't going to be able to cover all three of them, but we could cover the first two, the smaller amounts. And when we did those processes, all three of them came out of our account. But what we didn't know is on the day that those things come out, the bank doesn't do them necessarily by the time that you spent that money. Mm-mm. They they order them from largest to smallest. Exactly. So that that last transaction that we made on our card, they took that one out first, which depleted our account entirely. So then the next two, well, including that first one, it didn't get covered, the second one didn't get covered, and the third one didn't get covered. So what that meant for us was that we had three charges for overdraft, and we thought, okay, we could handle the one, you know, we have to shift some things around, so on and so forth. And it was just, it was bad. And it, it hit us hard because I think there were $35 a piece. So there's, there's over $100 in just fees for that. Right. So. Yeah. And banks do that. They'll take the biggest one first and then you get hit with multiple overdraft yep. charges. Exactly. Yeah. The other thing in this pretty much cashless society we live in is 
we've forgotten to teach our kids how to write an actual check. Mm. And sometimes you actually have to write a physical check for things. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen that with, with young people coming in here and opening up an account. They don't know how to write the checkout. And I've had to write it for them mm. and then have them sign it. So it's interesting to see that. Here's how you write a check. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So number two, it's important with teenagers that we don't shield them from bad money mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, and why? Because it's really better to learn this lesson with a $50 mistake than a $5,000 mistake mm-hmm. or an even bigger one later on. Yep. So, you know, for you as a, a young married couple, you know, you learned that with a, you know, a hundred dollar mistake, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what if you, you know, like if we're talking about your son or daughter, they get $50 for their, their birthday gift and they want to buy the latest fancy video game, right? But it costs $125. So they don't have that. Mm-hmm. So they're looking online and they, you know, they're, they're looking at Craigslist and they see someone who's selling this latest fancy video game for $50. And they think, great, I'm going to go buy that. What a deal. And what they don't, <laughs> yeah, they think this is a, this is a deal. I'm, I'm going to score here. Yeah. But what they don't realize is that it's a scam. Mm-hmm. So they go meet this other kid and they swap the $50 cash for the box, which looks legit, even though it's been opened, mm-hmm. but the kid's like, oh, I just need the cash. And so I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm selling the game I just got. It was a gift. So I'm just selling it for 50 bucks. So they come home, they try to use, you know, the, the game and it doesn't work. Mm. You know, it's, it's a fake game, right? Yeah. And so then they're really upset and they're angry and they want you to fix it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you got scammed. I feel really bad for you. I understand you're angry, but I'm not going to replace the game. You know, you, you unfortunately, you just learned mm-hmm. that people are not always honest. And I'm sorry you lost your $50 that grandma gave you. You have to resist the urge to fix it for them. Because what if they had bought a car that someone was selling for 50% off, you know, that was a $5,000 car that should have been $10,000? That's a much bigger mistake. What if they did that when they were 25 instead of this when they were 15? They just learned a very valuable mistake. They have to understand if it sounds too good to be true, it most likely is. Absolutely. And yes, they're hurt, they're angry, but they learned a $50 mistake and not a $5,000 mistake. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. And if we fix it for them, then the lesson is lost. Yeah, the the lesson that you need to teach them at that point is to fill out a police report. Yes, right? I mean that's exactly <laughs> that's that's the next lesson they're going to learn, and that's all that you need to help them learn from that one because exactly. they've learned the other part on their own. Yeah, yeah. Now we talked earlier about younger kids, and it was too early to teach them about credit, but with teenagers, we can start teaching them about credit, and I think that's that's important. Mm-hmm. So so here is my story. You had your story. Here's my story about the poor use of credit. All right. So I don't know, my mother may listen to this and I don't mean any negativity toward her, but this is my mother's, you know, to her credit and no pun intended here, but um, she wasn't taught about money either. Mm -hmm. So when I turned 18, 
practically on my birthday, she said, let's go shopping and open a credit card for you. Mm -hmm. This is what she you know, wanted to do for me to teach me how to get a credit card. Mm -hmm. So we went down to the local department store and I got a credit card again, practically on my 18th birthday, which is when you can legally sign a contract. Right. Yep. And so, so I got a credit card and bought things that I didn't really need on credit. And, you know, it was interesting because, you know, what do you do? You just use a credit card and you, you basically pay minimum payments. And so that started several years of a bad credit card use cycle Yeah. Um, until I realized what am I doing? I'm paying a ridiculous, and this was in the eighties, mind you, mm -hmm. when interest rates were ridiculously high. Yeah. So I'm paying minimum payments on this and paying a lot of interest. And it took me a number of years to get out of that bad debt credit card cycle. Mm -hmm. So this is not, this is the example of what you don't want to do yeah. with your kids. So what you want to do is talk to them about good credit. Good credit is when you buy a house. So you want to, you know, think about your credit score as you get old enough and how to be responsible with that. Mm -hmm. um, maybe for some people, you might have to buy a car on credit. Again, not everybody can pay cash for a car. So maybe your first car is a, a used $5,000 car. Great. Don't buy that on credit. Save for that. Not everybody needs a brand new car either. Mm -hmm. You should only have a credit card for things like renting a car when you go on vacation. And mm -hmm. so, you know, almost everybody should have a credit card for things like that because you don't want to use your debit card for that. Yeah. They're going to hold that money. And it's going to take forever to get it back mm -hmm. on a debit card. Um, and they'll tell you that. They'll have a little sign at the rental card place. We're going to hold something ridiculous like five or $700 for this rental car. And we're not responsible for when the bank's going to release those funds. So a credit card is a good, good option for that. Yeah. But you need to discuss with your teenager why they shouldn't use a credit card for things like going out to dinner or putting gas in their car, um, unless they're going to pay it off every month. Mm -hmm. And if they can't do that, they should never use their credit card. Absolutely. Yeah. So they just need to understand the basic use of what credit is. It's for big purchases, like buying a house. Maybe if they can get a 0% interest on a car purchase, mm -hmm. those aren't, you know, I haven't seen those around for a little while. Or, yeah, it's been a while. Mm, yeah, maybe 0.9 or something like that. That might be okay. Yeah. yeah. So we need to start talking to kids about credit and why that credit score is important. Because if, if they've got a 750 or 800 credit score, when they go buy a house, they're going to get a really good interest rate yeah. on it. But if their credit score is 600, they're going to pay a lot. Mm -hmm. So we need to start talking to them about that. All right, Kim, all these things are, that we've discussed so far are extremely important. And I know we're running low on time. Is there anything else we need to cover in today's podcast? Well, here's a bonus number four. Um, let's just quickly discuss the compounding power of interest. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can use a really simple calculator online to show your teenagers what it looks like to save money each month. So even, even with a really low interest rate of like 3% a year, if you show your teenagers 
what it looks like to save even a small amount, like $2,000 a year, starting at age 18. So if they get a job and they can save in a Roth IRA, which they can start doing at age 18, Mm -hmm. they will be a millionaire well before the age of 60, uh, even with 5% average return. Mm -hmm. And a million dollars sounds like a lot to a teenager. Now, they might need more than that to retire, but it sounds like a lot to a teenager. And as we know, you can save more than $2,000 a year in a Roth, but that's that's really a minimum. So mm-hmm. that's that's going to kind of impress your team. Yeah, hopefully it gets them on the right track because then as they get older, yeah. they can they can add more and then they'll have Absolutely. a 401k through work. And then you've yeah. got all the, the multiple streams of income when they are getting ready to retire. So that's perfect. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of a fun little thing to show them. Yeah. So it's really important that we stop being so stingy about talking about money. Mm-hmm. It's not, it shouldn't be a taboo subject, but let's really start talking with our kids when they're little and teach them how to save and make smart financial decisions when they're little and when they're teenagers. There's a lot more we can teach them. These are just sort of beginning topics, mm-hmm. easy, simple things. We need to ask questions. We need to let them ask questions. We need to be more open. Money shouldn't be so secretive. Yeah. Um, we all have it. We spend it. We deal with it. It's really okay to talk to our kids about money. Mm-hmm. We all did something stupid when we were when we were young, I'm sure. Every single one of us. Yes. So let's tell them what we've learned. Maybe even take them to talk to your financial advisor if your financial advisor is willing to, to open up and talk to your kids about investing. There's some really easy ways to help kids buy even a single share of some company that's uh, that is a, a, a owned by a favorite toy of theirs, mm-hmm. um, and and they're they're going to love that. I think that they'd be really excited to own shares of a company that is of their favorite toy or their favorite gaming system, and they can kind of watch that change every month. So yeah, I know I would have loved that as a kid. Yeah, that that would be very interesting, and that's a good way to segue into that. So. Yeah. And Kim, I know that you have some sponsors for this podcast. Can you uh, let us know who they are? Yes, I would love to thank our sponsors. We have three sponsors. The first one is Calvert Research and Management. Calvert is a global leader in responsible investing. Calvert sponsors one of the largest and most diversified families of responsibly invested mutual funds, encompassing active and passively managed equity, income, alternative, and multi-asset strategies. With roots in responsible investing back to 1982, The firm seeks to generate favorable investment returns for clients by allocating capital consistent with environmental, social, and governance best practices and through structured engagement with portfolio companies. Also, PAX World Funds are advised by Impax Asset Management LLC, formerly PAX World Management LLC, a pioneer in the field of sustainable investing. PAX offers a diversified lineup of mutual funds focused on the risks and opportunities arising from the transition to a more sustainable global economy. Each fund integrates environmental, social, and governance research into the investment process to better manage risk and deliver competitive long-term investment performance. Since 1971, PAX has made it possible for investors to pursue financial returns while having a positive social and environmental impact. And finally, Trillium Asset Management, where we believe that companies that adhere to strong, positive ESG policies can increase profitability and develop a competitive edge. We have found that integrating ESG factors into the investment process is the best way to deliver long-term risk-adjusted returns to clients. 
That is fantastic. Thank you to those sponsors. And Kim, thank you for your time today. Thank you so much, Eric. You bet. And thank you all for listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Griego-Kyle. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Kim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends, family, and your kids. Thanks again for listening today. For everyone at Horizons Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Deep Impact Investing Podcast, the sustainable, responsible impact investing podcast that shows you how to get your voice heard. It's time to start investing like you give a damn. To ask a question that we can answer on an upcoming podcast, email us at info at horizonssfs.com or join the conversation on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash horizons sustainable financial services or give us a call at 505-982-9661 don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available the companies we may speak about during our podcast are not recommendations for investment only you and your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you and your situation horizon sustainable financial services is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of new mexico and other jurisdictions were registered or exempted. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guest and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.